0: Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Genesis chapter 12, verses one through seven. the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his nephew and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moray. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. What does it mean to be a man or woman of faith? What does it mean to trust God instead of trusting myself? Genesis chapter 12 answers these questions as we study the life of Abraham. There is a connection between chapter 11 and chapter 12 in that Abraham was a man who abandoned the land of Babel and journeyed toward the promised land. When God appeared to Abraham, he was living in Ur of the Chaldees a prosperous city not far from ancient Babylon. Remember that Abraham was the son of Terah, who was from the godly line of Shem. Sadly, over the generations from Shem down to Terah, declension had occurred. Terah, the book of Joshua tells us, was an idol worshiper, so he had fallen away from the faith of his fathers. So here in a place of great wealth and prosperity live Terah and his son Abraham. They are both pagans without knowledge of God. But God comes to Abraham. Out of his great love and according to his divine purpose, he chooses to reveal himself to Abraham. We don't know how and when God did this, but we do know that when he spoke to Abraham, Abraham instantly obeyed. As an interesting side note, the Lord Jesus is speaking to many Muslims today in the Middle East. He comes to them in dreams and visions and tells them that He is real and they must trust in Him and follow Him. There are documented reports of thousands of Muslims coming to know the Savior month after month. This is very exciting. St. John Chrysostom, the 4th century church father, says Jesus declares that believing in me is no ordinary thing, nor one that comes of human reasonings, but needs a revelation from above and a well-ordered soul to receive that revelation. Abraham was such a man. He had a well-ordered soul. He received God's revelation and acted upon it. What was the content of God's revelation to Abraham? It came in the form of a command. If you keep my commandments, then you show me that you love me. God's command to Abraham was in verse 1, Get out of your country. Now the city of Ur was a great and prosperous center of trade located on the Euphrates River. Terah and Abraham were well situated. They were prosperous. They had their homes, their wives, and their possessions. But God said, detach from all that and go out on a journey into the unknown. God asked of Abraham a great obedience, a service that he had not asked of other men before. For many generations since the flood and the Tower of Babel, God was searching for a man who believed in him, was godly-minded, was humble and devoted to him. Remember what God said of Noah in Genesis 5.24, that he walked with God and was blameless. Genesis 17.1 commands Abraham to do precisely the same thing. Walk before me and be blameless. God was searching for such a man and he found that one in Abraham. Not that Abraham had in himself these qualities and this faith, but that God chose him blessed him and worked in him to make of him the father of many nations. This is a powerful picture and symbol of the Christian life as God describes it for us in the New Testament. God comes to us. He gives us a ray of his sweet grace. We believe our lives are transformed and we follow him. Receive the revelation of God, believe in it, be transformed by God's Spirit, and follow Him. Charles Wesley captures this so well in his hymn, And Can It Be? He says, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed Thee. God asks us to leave our country, to leave this world and follow him into his kingdom. What is the relationship of the follower of the Lord Jesus to the world? John chapter 17 tells us that the follower of the Lord Jesus is in the world, not of the world, and sent to the world as a light and a witness. Abraham beautifully models this dynamic. God came to him, spoke to him, changed him from within, and said, Get out of your country, leave the world, and go to the place where I am sending you. It was not fitting that a man of faith, a new follower of God who now believed God's revelation to him, would remain among idolaters. So Abraham obeys instantly, and therefore he is the model par excellence of a man of faith. God spoke, Abraham believed, and obeyed. That's faith. But Abraham is not only to leave the world behind, he is also to leave his relatives and his father's house behind. How often do the relationships in our family and extended family derail our spiritual progress? A young man or woman marries the wrong spouse and is dragged down into many struggles. A wife or husband is converted and follows after Christ, but the other spouse does not, and there is a constant tension and lack of unity. A child receives the call of God and responds to the gospel, but he is the only one in a family of five. His parents and siblings do not believe. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 14:26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What does Jesus mean by these stern words? He means that those who follow him must have such a priority of overpowering love and devotion and adoration of Jesus that their attachment to any other relationship will seem like hatred by comparison. Family must not take precedence over Jesus. Often there is a choice between following Jesus and following relatives and family. This is particularly true when someone converts to Christ from Islam in the Middle East or from Shintoism to Christ in Japan. Often parents disown and reject their own children when the children come to faith in Christ. The standard for following Jesus is very high. We must be willing to forsake all earthly possessions and all human relationships to love Him supremely, or we do not love Him at all. So, Abraham's call from God has two imperatives with promises attached to them. The first imperative is Get out of your country. Leave your relatives and go where I send you. The second imperative was Be a blessing to those around you. This verse is often mistranslated from the Hebrew in modern versions. It is actually an imperative Be a blessing not, you will be a blessing, as in many versions. If Abraham believes God and obeys God, he will do three things for Abraham. He will give him a land, the land of Canaan, he will give him a nation, the people of Israel, and he will make him a blessing to all the families of the whole earth. This idea of making Abraham a blessing has three aspects. God will bless those who bless Abraham and curse those who curse Abraham, because to bless or curse Abraham was to bless or curse Abraham's God. Then God will make Abraham a blessing to all the families of the earth. How can this be? His wife Sarah is barren. She cannot have any children. Yet God is telling Abraham that all the families of the earth will be blessed through him. The scope of what God is telling Abraham is mind-boggling. It's extraordinary. It's so extraordinary that Abraham gets a primary place in the faith hall of fame. Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham must exchange the known for the unknown and find his reward in what he cannot live to see. That's courage. That requires incredible faith. Faith is reliance on a person and therefore trust in what he says, confidence in his promises and obedience to his commands. Some Christians love to talk about God's promises. They go to Bible conferences and watch videos of superstar preachers, but they don't delight to obey his commands. That's not faith at all. Whoever takes God at his word must take all his words and do them. There is no faith without obedience, and there is no obedience without faith. They are two sides of the same coin. James chapter 2 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works, when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works faith was perfected, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So you see that a man is justified by works, and not by faith alone. Verse 4 says, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. He lived for a long time simply on the bare obedience to God's command to go. Abraham wasn't told that Canaan was the promised land until he reached it. We don't know how many years went by between God's call and his entering into the land, but it was simply one step at a time, month after month, year after year. Abraham was a man in the grip of an enormous vision that went far beyond himself. Life wasn't all about Abraham, his plans, his dreams, his priorities. He had to say no to himself and no to the present so that he could say yes to God and yes to the future. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Then notice that a life of faith attracts others. Lot was attracted to Abraham and went with him on the long journey to the Promised Land. In verse 4, several scholars believe that the phrase, the persons which they had acquired in Haran, refers not merely to hired servants, but brethren who had come to faith and had joined themselves to the Hebrew religion. Therefore, Abraham's life of faith brought about the conversion of others. In verse 6, we read, And Abraham passed through the land and came to Shechem. Let's take these phrases in verse 6 one at a time. The phrase passed through means to wander about like a pilgrim. It is interesting that the Bible speaks of two wanderers in this first part of Genesis. Cain was a wanderer in chapter 4, and now Abraham in chapter 12 is a wanderer. Cain wandered away from the presence of the Lord. Abraham journeyed towards God and with God. Cain roamed across the face of the whole earth as a fugitive and an outcast. Abraham walked with God and wandered within the borders of the promised land. He was always a pilgrim, but never apart from relationship and fellowship with God. Cain is a pattern of the sinner, seeking rest and never finding it. He never found inner peace or stability of heart and mind. Abraham is a picture of the saint who must travel through this world in order to reach his true home in heaven. This is the mission of every genuine follower of the Lord Jesus, to live in a state of perpetual pilgrimage to our true homeland following and looking onto Jesus. Jesus keeps pulling us away from this world and its distractions and delusions to journey with him to the true city of God and his kingdom. The next word we find in verse 6 is Shechem. Shechem was an important city in Bible times, located on what is now the West Bank of Israel. It is marked out in the Old Testament as a place of decision. The Israelites were assembled here to choose between blessing and cursing. Blessing if they obeyed God, cursing if they disobeyed him. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 11, which is a marvelous chapter filled with riches. Then Joshua renewed the covenant with the Israelites at Shechem. We don't have time to unpack all of this, But in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua assembled the people and told them that in the very place that they were standing, Abraham came in obedience to God. Then King Solomon's son Rehoboam went to Shechem to proclaim himself king once Solomon died. He acted foolishly, poorly, he made terrible demands on the people, and as a result the kingdom was divided and the nation of Israel went into declension. So God leads Abraham to this place of decision in the days to come. Then verse 6 continues, To the oak of Moreh, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land." Now, who were the Canaanites? The Canaanites were a cruel, godless, idolatrous people who regularly practiced human sacrifice to their gods. It was required that the firstborn of every family, male or female, be tied to an altar and sacrificed to satisfy the wrath of the gods. In some rituals, the very beating heart would be cut out of the victim and offered up to satisfy the gods. This was a gruesome, ghastly practice. The oak of Moray was the site of this Canaanite altar. So God leads Abraham to pitch his tent right on the site of Canaanite idol worship and then appears to him and reiterates his promise. I will give this land to your offspring. Yes, this very land, now filled with demons and idol worship and human sacrifice, but this land will belong to your descendants. What a test of Abraham's faith by showing him the godless Canaanites who are throughout his promised land and placing him on the very site of the most terrible human sacrifice. In verse 7 and 8, we see Abraham building an altar to the Lord. What is the significance of altar building, dear friends? By building an altar, Abraham is making an open confession of his religion, observable, out in the open. He is establishing worship of the true and living God in the very midst of paganism. He is declaring his faith in God's promises. He is dying to himself, repenting of his sins, in order to live and follow his God. This was the first place of worship ever erected in the promised land. The altar represents the reality of the revelation of God to Abraham and his response in obedience to that revelation. The altar represents the biblical equivalent of death, which is repentance, brokenness and humility before the lord every individual christian needs an altar and every family needs a family altar i know christians who when they built a house actually designed a chapel an altar at the center of the home whether we have a literal physical chapel and altar in our home or a symbolic time and place where the family worships together, this is the heart of the Christian home. In the modern world, everyone is going in a dozen different directions, and the family altar is the first thing to fall by the wayside. Now, having a sacred space, like a chapel or an altar or a prayer corner, is important to help us develop the habit of prayer. Listening friend, Don't let the individual or the family altar fall by the wayside. Follow the example of godly Abraham. Everywhere Abraham went, we read that he built an altar to the Lord. The altar is the place of worship. It is the place of adoration. It is the place of repentance and of restoration of fellowship with God. It is the place of daily prayer, where we daily give thanks, express our praise to God, and offer Him the worship that He deserves. Having a sacred space, like a chapel or a prayer corner, is very important to help each of us develop the habit of prayer. Prayer is a habit like everything else in life, and we need to take the time to build the daily altar so that we have that space and time to dedicate ourselves to God and to give Him worship and praise and adoration. Now back to Genesis chapter 12 and Abraham. Another passage which references Abraham, which is very important, is John 8 verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. How did Abraham foresee the day of Jesus Christ? by living the life of that day if we reflect deeply we will see that abraham foreshadowed the path of the lord jesus on the earth in a number of ways in his own life abraham went out from his country and his family he gave up comfort of place and friends to enter into privation and hardship Abraham was middle-aged. He had a house and possessions in Ur, but he gave all of that up to obey the voice of God. Therefore, Abraham begins with an experience that is identical with that of our Lord Jesus. In order to accomplish his ministry to save the world, the Lord Jesus divests himself of his divine prerogatives and enters into privation and hardship. Therefore, Abraham is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Another key New Testament passage referencing godly Abraham is Romans chapter 4. In this chapter we read, What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. For in hope against hope Abraham believed, in order that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So, Genesis chapter 12 begins the story of redemption by introducing Abraham, through whom will come the promised Messiah. Abraham's story is a portrait of a life of faith. He received the commandment from God, he believed the word of God, he was transformed within by God's power, and he followed God faithfully. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory both now and forevermore, amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at GodetMinistries.org. That's g-a-u-d-e-t-e ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable.